0: Welcome to allthingsnew.tech, where we are exploring the intersection of theology and technology. Technology is changing our jobs, relationships, and even our identities. It's easy to get excited about all the new things. But as Christians, we also believe God is redeeming this world through His effort, making all things new. This podcast features conversations with entrepreneurs, technologists, and innovators, examining how technology transforms our understanding of God, His creation, and what it means to be human. Today, All Things New host Paul Taylor is talking with Angela Blancoflor from InterVarsity USA. Focusing on digital evangelism, they'll discuss what kinds of technology are best used for online ministry and speculate about the perfect kind of ministry tech. We hope you enjoy the conversation.
1: Hi, I'm Paul Taylor. I'm here from allthingsnew.tech with Angela Blancoflor, who's actually um, thinking of joining our team over here at All Things New, which we're very excited about. He is the Evangelism Communication Manager at InterVarsity USA. He's got a long history of working with uh, digital ministry and digital missions, and it's going to be really fun to talk to him about some of the opportunities of digital ministry, but also thinking a little bit about what are the perils of digital ministry and how to balance those things. And uh, so we're going to have a good conversation. Angelo, thanks for being here with us.
2: My pleasure. I'm very excited.
1: Good. Uh, Well, I always like to start off just by asking people to tell me their stories and just to hear your story of how you got to the role you're in and how you kind of got interested in technology and ministry and the combination of those two things.
2: Yeah. um, When I was in high school, I decided that I would not get confirmed in the Catholic church. I grew up Catholic unless I got into my dream school of Notre Dame. I didn't get in. And they lost the football national title game that year.
1: Wow. Because you weren't there. I think so. Yeah. Makes um,
2: sorry, Notre Dame uh, <laughs> alum. Uh, ended up at the University of Illinois, where my freshman year, some really friendly people in my dorm invited me to hang out and come to Bible study and eventually led me to follow Jesus. Wow. Um, I was a biology student in college, and my plan was to um, start a PhD program. Uh, I would did research in astrobiology uh, at a lab at my campus in Illinois. Um, And my research in that field was in bioinformatics and microbiology. So my technology interest comes from doing cutting edge, you know, um, bioinformatics work um, for the sake of finding life in outer space. Wow. The coolest thing I've still, one of the coolest things I've still worked on. Did you find Uh, it? Not quite, but that lab eventually published uh, a nature paper that I got to to work on a nature paper.
1: Awesome. That sounds fun.
2: Um, And my senior year, I made the happy, happy mistake of going to the Urbana conference for student missions. And God pulled me off with a PhD track and said, I'm sending you to ministry. And the ministry he ended up sending me to was a small team in InterVarsity called Ministry in Digital Spaces. Uh, where I served for about a year and a half doing research and um, pilot projects on how to do ministry online, um, and when that role uh, that role closed, and I found a new home in the evangelism department, where we get to do even more awesome, cutting edge work on how do you and how do you contextualize the gospel for college students in this day and this age, and especially this year during these crazy. Yeah,
1: times. yeah I mean, all ministry is digital now, right? There's it's just the way of the world now
2: there's no longer any separation jew or gentile online and
0: offline
1: (laughs) that's right yeah so what have you been seeing in the past i mean obviously this coronavirus lockdown situation has changed everything and what have you been seeing in terms of digital ministry what's been exciting or new
2: um i've been seeing a change in the context that students do ministry in obviously because everything's online One of the most major ones is adjusting to just not being on campus. College students uh, are now doing Zoom classes from their houses, from home, with their families kind of around them. Um, And it's changed kind of the atmosphere of doing ministry. Suddenly, uh, finding communities hard, inviting people to stuff more challenging, um, and being on Zoom for school and for fun. Not, It's not working. It's not working.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I, I feel the same way.
2: (laughs) And it's forced us to simplify our ministry. We've had to ask, what's the really minimum bare things that we can do to keep ministry going, uh, but to keep students not burning out, not sinking into depression or hopelessness, uh, but to continue and believing that even in these crazy times, Jesus is at work in their lives
1: yeah wow what have you found i mean what's some of the things that are working
2: uh we found that students want to keep doing ministry stuff they keep they want to stay connected with their friends they want to invite their non-christian friends to fun and even honest things and the biggest bear is they don't know how yeah which honestly who knows (laughs) who knows how in this day and age um at least when it comes to online ministry, what are the different ways to you know, contextualize it? But what we're finding is, one, students that are not Christian still want to hear the gospel and still care about the good news. We're learning that um, if you can get students just the basic skills that they need, they're going to take it miles. It's incredible. Oh, hmm. um, for example, what we're seeing in varsity is the resurgence of hobbies as the focal point for community. Okay. So you're bored, you're... At home, you're trying to, you know, you want to see your friends. How can you, how do you gather people? Well, what do you do for fun? We have students that play horse soccer. They live somewhere in California where they have horses, and one of them teaches their horse how to play soccer. Apparently, it's common. But it's I football, never.
1: But, but without a stick? Whatever. Without
2: a stick, yeah. They just teach the horse to kick a giant medicine ball towards a goal.
1: Wow, I've never heard of this. That's, that's a new thing.
2: Students are doing piano lessons teaching their friends to play songs um, that, you know, they pick on even virtual pianos, like a piano app, because not everyone has, you know. Right. Uh, Students are doing K-pop dancing, Korean pop. Yep. To their favorite songs. And they have a literal, like, Zoom club. Wow. And these are just three examples. There's tons more. And in the middle of all these, there's an invitation. This is the fun thing that we're doing. After the fun, we're going to be honest. And that is, that is the magic. Let me tell you, yeah. because um, normally in person, you'd like stick around at the club and you just like, you'd get honest just by the virtue of being there.
1: Right. Cause you're just hanging out.
2: You're just hanging out and eventually people get deep or intimate or serious and you'll ride the wave. But online, you have to tell people ahead of time, Hey, you're signing up for both. And if you want to yeah. dip, you gotta dip.
1: Huh. That's cool.
2: So piano Teaching club is no longer just piano teaching club. It's piano and lyrics discussion. Ah. How is this song giving you hope? How are you dealing with your loneliness? Nice. And K-pop is no longer just K-pop. It's K-pop and justice. Huh. Uh, If you haven't heard the news, Korean pop fans have been, like, on the edge of some of the protest work, some of the – some of the oh I don't remember how to describe it but there's been they've been at the, on, on the top end of donating to different causes especially the ACLU uh, someone can fact check me on that but anyway
1: huh, I didn't know that that's cool
2: so they, they this K-pop group did a dance on a song around injustice it's, mm. it's about you know racial injustice uh, across the world and they led a discussion on a piece of art that we have in university we call them proxy stations they're giant display boards on campus like murals. Um, and when you see them on campus, you're, like, you're supposed to go up, and they're so alluring that you put a sticker on it. Huh. We have one with four red cups, and the question is, what are you thirsty for? Because, you know, college. Right. And it, sure. it's fun, success, purpose, uh, love. And people start spiritual conversations by putting a sticker and voting. Yeah. Um, so we asked them to do, to, uh, do a – they did an art discussion on a mural called Better World. The artist is Shin Meng, S-H-I-N-M-A-E-N-G, and it's a mural about Jesus and Luke 4, where he reads the scroll of Isaiah, um, and he makes all these promises about what he's going to do in front of a group of people that are like, whoa, Jesus, why are you talking about um, the Gentiles in the Old Testament? We don't want this. Challenging passage. Yeah. And they did a discussion on it uh, so that they could engage deeper in the work of justice, um, and just even have a conversation with their non-Christian friends.
1: So all of this is happening online through Zoom or through and some type of... It's all Zoom happening everywhere. on Zoom. Hmm. What have you observed? I mean, you know, a lot of what we think about is the creation of technology and issues about when you're creating technology, what that like, kind of some of the theological implications of that. What are you observing in terms of the, theology, the technology that's available to you? And, you know, technology is always created for a purpose. And now that the world is different, there are certain things that are working well, Zoom and other stuff, but, but they were never necessarily designed to be everything that we're using them for now. So what are some of the limitations of the technology that's out there from your perspective for ministry?
2: That's a good and challenging question.
1: Yeah. That's my job. (laughs) (laughs) Stumped people. That's that's what I try and do. That's why I don't send the questions in advance, you know?
2: That's a good point. Yeah, Uh, there you go. One limitation is um, usability. Yeah. Um, It feels a lot like we're having to hack together. And I mean hack in the traditional, not like... computer hacking, but hacking together things that aren't supposed to be sure to fit together. feels like we're hacking together a series of things in ways that they weren't meant to be used. Right. Um, and one of the limitations is uh, yeah. The, the intent of the creator is not necessarily what, we're, what we are, we're doing with it. So um, is zoom was zoom meant to foster online community by like hanging out and co working? maybe, but it feels more of a meeting space. Right. I mean, that's what all the features are based on. But that's what students are doing. <laughs> they're just leaving Zoom up. Yeah. And talking about life or even co-working, doing work, homework, just like it in the corner.
1: Is that right? Just just kind of leaving it on and it's just in the background.
2: Yeah. Or I read a story about, this was on Twitter, about a team. I don't know, remember what industry they're in, but they use the video game Red Dead Redemption 2. Okay. It's a video game about, uh, you're a cowboy and you go around the Wild West. It's open world.
1: Okay.
2: You so do cowboy stuff, right? Yeah,
1: roping and shooting and cowboy things. Yeah. Right.
2: But they use that for their team meetings. Huh? It has in 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 game voice chat,
1: okay. so
2: you know you don't need you just leave the game running on one monitor, and you have Google Docs open another monitor, and you like virtually meeting with your team, but on horseback.
1: That's hilarious. <laughs> I love it makes me think of the Google bikes that uh, we have. I live in Mountain View and there's bikes, you know, you can be on a meeting on a bike, but it's the virtual version of the the horse meeting.
2: Yeah. And, you know, video games weren't necessarily meant for that purpose, but it's happening.
1: Yeah, I wonder, you know, one of the things I've been thinking is, are we going to see, and will it come in time, kind of a whole new breed of technology that's meant for the kinds of problems that we have now? Because like you say, I mean, Zoom was built for business meetings. And so when you use a tool, the tool has a bias towards its purpose. And so I hang out with somebody on Zoom, but it doesn't feel like I'm hanging out because it's made for a business meeting. And so I wonder, uh, are there going to be some tools that are some new things that are coming up to, to solve these problems so we don't have to hack stuff together? If you could imagine a tool that would solve some of your ministry needs because, because, you know, we, a lot of our listeners are tech creators. What, what kind of a tool or what kind of an app would, would, would help the situations you're seeing?
2: Oh, you see me smiling.
1: Yeah. You got ideas. I can tell.
2: I do. One of the biggest challenges that my team is facing and that some of us in university are facing, I don't want to speak. I'm not speaking for the whole organization, obviously, but just sure. from my experience um, is when we train students to do ministry. With, and, but, but what I mean by train is we're coaching them through specific skills. How do you invite really well to your event or to your Bible study? How do you share your story of how God's meeting you in 15 seconds or less? Because that's, that's attendance span.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, these are really specific coaching skills that just need practice and iteration. Um, right now, we use Google Docs to train up to 100 people. So imagine 100 students and their staff in a Zoom call. My team facilitates these kinds of calls to teach these skills, and not just to teach the skills, but to teach the staff to teach the skills. Right. Um, And by the way, the structure, for those not familiar, my team sits on uh, kind of a national broad level. We teach evangelism skills to the whole movement of 1,300, 1,400 staff and about 30,000 to 40,000 students.
1: Wow, okay.
2: So, a staff worker in a university is responsible for a chapter of anywhere from ten to a couple hundred students right so we teach the staff to teach their students it 's two layers that 's cool and what we do in a Google doc and on a zoom call is we simulate um, we simulate the, the coaching that we would give, so we coach the staff to actively coach the students, and to do this in parallel, we have everybody typing at the same time huh. And if you've never typed in a Google doc with a hundred people.
1: I have never done that.
2: It doesn't I can work. imagine it
1: doesn't work real all. Yeah.
2: It breaks after about 30 something. Sure. So we've had to, you know, we've done parallel zoom calls or parallel Google docs in one zoom call. Um, we try to come up with all sorts of creative situations or solutions because it's more interactive than a webinar, but it's not, We, you know, we've thought about using some of those quiz platforms. Uh, yeah. I don't remember what they're called. But at the end of the day, we need everybody to see everything, right and it's a challenge to just stuff a hundred people in a Google Doc and train them
1: so the 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 situation you're facing there, you're kind of drawing out the like product manager in me the The situation you're facing is like you want a large group of people that are that are interacting together, but they can all interact with each other, but it's not a linear chat. it's like you want them to be able to interact with previous comments and stuff like that. Is that kind of what you're saying?
2: yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, yeah, that's really interesting.
2: And that's how we're doing mass ministry training is we stick a bunch of people in a Zoom call and invite them and we teach them all the same skill at the same time. And because on on Zoom, unlike face-to-face, there's no external processing space. You have to make the processing space. Yep. Um So this is another kind of hack of Zoom, right? If you're in an in-person seminar, everybody has a pen, pencil, you can take notes, you can raise your hand. But on Zoom... If you don't keep things going, the call will get stuck and die, and get boring, and everyone will right. hate it. Um,
1: but They'll just you ask and, and be—you know—you won't be able to tell that they're doing something else entirely. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. They'll just check out. Yep. Um, and you can't—you know—you can't just point at them and say, "Hey, why are you on the phone?" Right. Um, but at the same time, if you're not processing on a video call, if you're not asking your audience to reflect back what they're learning, hearing they're not going to do that after the call. They're going to close their computer and they're going to go do something else. Yep. So how do you build in within the, within a video call space to process, but with a hundred people at the same time. So you can't use voice and you need a way to organize a chat so that it, you know, you can capture what people are saying.
1: Right. It's a challenge. Yeah, totally. I can see that. You know, the, the conversation makes me think of, um, You know, people talk about Zoom fatigue and they talk about, I think one of the issues is, uh, you know, when you're on Zoom, you're seeing yourself. And so I'm I'm seeing this image of myself that I don't normally see. I, I normally have no sense of how I'm coming across to other people. I'm just talking and they see me, but I don't see myself. And so being constantly affronted with kind of my own image, I think, has some psychological stuff. I wonder if you're seeing that in students and if there's any um, particular observations about how that affects people. Because one of the themes we keep coming back to for all things new is how technology changes what we perceive as being human. And so now I'm being kind of constantly confronted with this digital image of myself. And do you hear students talking about that or processing that or what's that like? Sometimes,
2: um, well, one, one practical way that that comes into play is whose who's turn is it to talk? Yeah. And when you scan all of the, you know, eight boxes looking at who's about to speak, there's no cues to read. And you look at yourself and you're like, wait.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Am I, where am I located? Where am I? Yeah. Um. That's one way. Another way is... Uh, have you heard of the trend of people, it's mostly like high schoolers, I think, coming up with ways to trick their instructors of a classroom into believing that they're on the call, but they're not on the call.
1: Like the background videos or something? Or...
2: Yeah, they'll like loop a video of themselves, yep. project it into Zoom, and then, you know, go do something else. Right, yeah. So it's like image making of yourself.
1: Oh, gosh, that's so, there are so many like biblical themes, <laughs> like... Explore right. in that, yeah, like the reducing of ourselves to video. I mean, it's it's uh, it's interesting though. You know, I mean, this is getting a little bit off topic of the stuff you're working on, but you know, in this world where we're always on video, you know, I think one of the, one of the dangers of technology in general, I think, is that it virtualizes us, and so our our bodies become less important. And but actually. For the people I know, during lockdown, they're they're making better food, they're exercising more. So it, it's interesting, like, on one hand, we're more completely video, but um, our bodies are taking a new importance, too.
2: Some weird things are happening because now we're all required to be on video. Yeah. This, this is my observation. This is a little bit outside the student ministry realm, um, but... For example, I heard of a case in Michigan, I think yesterday or the other day, where a student, uh, because they were truant to their online Zoom class, was sent to juvenile hall. The same way that if you're truant too much from an in-person class, you might get into trouble. Huh. And it's just so—that's a weird case, right? Because who, who's, what does it mean to be present on video?
1: Yeah.
2: Versus, like, especially in a school setting, and. What's really the difference on video with you having your video off versus you sitting there pretending to look at the screen and really on your phone, you know, like right here. Yeah, right. uh, Versus looping a video of yourself. that's not really a video. You know, it's not you and no one can tell. And what's different between those and just not being present versus if you're in a classroom and you don't show up to class?
1: Yeah yeah and that I mean presence is such a is such a deep uh theme, and it's a deep theme of the of the scriptures and I know in a varsity you know I don't know if they coined the term, but they talked a lot about incarnational ministry and being present and being there physically and now I don't know what where do you incarnate in a digital space
2: that's my favorite question yeah <laughs> it, and it's my favorite question because it forces us to break our like church norms about ministry, about evangelism, about outreach. Uh Typically, if you, I have led like a young adult group or like a youth group or something like that. And it's like your evangelism is invite people to come here. Right. Bring them to church, bring them a youth group, bring them Bible study, whatever. And because everybody's online doing video Bible study, video church, what if they just don't want to go? Right. Um, and it forces us to say, well, where are the people hmm. that we want to reach if they won't come to our zoom because everything is on zoom. And how do you elevate one zoom call over another as being worthy other yeah. than charisma and really good invitation. Right. Uh, it forces us to think, ah, well, maybe the way is not for them to come to us, but for us to come to them, hmm. which, you know, isn't a novel evangelistic concept. Actually, that's kind of the basis of apostle sure. being an apostle and evangelist. Uh, but it's not a skill set that's common to be full Paul, Acts 17, and contextualize what Paul's ministry is to Athenians. Yeah. So how do you contextualize the reason you go to church and study the Bible to a group of video gamers that are playing of legends with you or whatever video uh-huh. game? How do you contextualize the gospel to a group of writers that come together on one platform and only share about their writing and why their writing has barriers? Because online, especially once you leave the sphere of your social media and go into, like, like what stops someone from making a Twitter burner account that's just about one thing?
1: Sure.
2: Um, so if I made a Twitter account and it's only for one of my hobbies, let's say it's only for piano. Me- it's only for DJing. I'm not a DJ, but, you know. Right. So I connect only on Twitter with people who are um, musicians, artists, DJs in training, whatever. And my whole identity on this part of my persona it's just about music. But how do I use that to share the gospel with people when you can't just say, oh, well, then come to my real life church where my real life name shows up and right. you're going to meet my real life church friends.
1: Yeah. That's, that's a whole that's, other level of intimacy. That's just a slice of you on that particular persona. Yeah. Huh.
2: And I think that that's a reality that's more true of the generation that's grown up on iPhones. Yeah. There's this fear of being known, fear of making connections some of the perils of technology, but also like fear of the identity part. I mean, if you grew up in the early two thousands, Internet IRC days, AIM days, you don't tell people your personal info, right?
1: Right,
2: <laughs> it's scary. Yep, and there's still a lot of that in some. Like, if you play Fortnite, you don't tell people your real name. You just oh. you play Fortnite with your friends, right? You meet strangers.
1: Wow, I am really glad that there's people like you trying to solve these problems because uh, they're big. I mean, it seems really interesting.
2: It, it goes back to how technology is getting hacked together by people who are using them for purposes they're not supposed to be used for. Yeah, uh, I don't think the League of Legends like chat platform is supposed to be an apostolistic
1: <laughs> right. space. Probably not designed that way.
2: Probably not designed that way. Yeah, it's also it not supposed right. to be a toxic space and yet you know that's how it's used.
1: Sure. Yeah.
2: Um I don't think Discord is supposed to be a platform for church. Right? But we're doing it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I I don't think Twitter is supposed to be well, uh, maybe, but I don't think Twitter was intended to be 140 characters of your personal testimony of Jesus. People do right. it. But how do you do it in a way that reaches your the people group you're actually trying to reach?
1: Yeah. Cuz You've
2: seen bad you've seen bad evangelism. You're a pastor. For sure. You've seen bad evangelism. Oh, sure. oh yes. It's painful. It's terrible. it's just bad. And you can flag it a mile million miles away. Yep. And when you're in these communities, if I'm a DJ in my Twitter community, if I do bad evangelism, people are gonna stay away from me. That's yeah. a that's a flag. That's a red mark.
1: It's worse than no evangelism. It's
2: worse than no evangelism. It's trust destroying.
1: That's right.
2: So how do you be trust building in your online spaces when you're only sharing a slice of yourself? Yeah. Um, which is actually easier than tr- building trust in online spaces where you're being your whole self, like on Facebook. Huh. Cause then when you go to Facebook, it's your name associated with it. It's your family, it's your friends. Right. And then you're trying to evangelize to your non-Christian friends on your Facebook during these political times when everything is politicized. Yeah. Good luck.
1: So what's, what are some tips? I mean, how, how, how are people finding ways to do this?
2: Oh, that's a good question. Um, Figuring out how to build trust is probably the hardest part. Yeah. You have to be part of some community, some subgroup, your team. You have to show a little bit of expertise, get to know people. Um, I'd say the biggest challenge is knowing what questions to ask when. Mm. Because you can't ask, you know, for example, if we just met and we've met on a... um, and a platform to talk about the uses of technology in COVID. Let's say it's like a web forum or Twitter thread. Right. I can't immediately ask you in such a public space. So tell me about your like, what do you do in real life? Where do right. you work? Like that's. It's
1: just not right. That's
2: not right. Um, so there's a weird skill engaging the kind of vulnerability that you're cultivating, um, and making space for people to like respond appropriately. Right. What we're doing with for college students uh, in my inter-varsity work is we're asking students to open the space by saying you can choose to be vulnerable, and we're going to ask a question. But you could you can leave, or you could not say anything. Mm,
1: That's cool. Give people direction. Yeah, but it's it's optional. Yeah.
2: Um, What we do, I I lead an online house church on Discord with some folks that are just gathered around people that can't find churches. During mm-hmm. COVID, I just moved. So like, I haven't had a chance. Um, and yeah. what we say is um, we're going to do a call and response. So we're going to, I am going to go first to model what, what we're supposed to be sharing. And I'm going to pick someone and that person can pick the next person. And if you don't want to share, you could say, I don't want to share, or I'll go at the end. Okay. And we kind of create a little bit of order by having people do the, um, like invite others to share and then they can share what they want.:
1: That's cool. Wow.: Hey, I want to give you a chance to at least mention passion talks. It's another thing you're, I know, super involved in and have helped lead for several years, and it's coming up in August, so maybe you can kind of just let us know about it and why you've been involved in it, what's drawn you to it.
2: Yeah, I am really excited because we get to partner with all things new. tech.
1: Yeah. Uh,
2: for one of the tracks. One of the tracks is the Theology of Technology. How do we create technology that solves real human problems, especially during COVID, especially during mass social unrest around um, racial justice, racial injustice. Um, Passion Talks this year is a, a online summit of speakers that are answering some of the biggest problems that we face in the world. Yeah. Um, during the COVID season, it's what does work mean? What does work look like? What is our vocation when we can't meet in person for work and we have to go online? Um how do we do education? What happens when all of our education is done online and because we can't meet in person? Um, yep. What platforms are we building to be able to educate people at every level from elementary through higher ed? And what solutions and problems are we coming to face? Um, the theology technology is one of them. How do we build things that serve the greater human purpose, especially um, during this time. And then one of the key tenets of passion talks is what is your passion? What has God called you uniquely to do? And why don't you share your story? So we have a track for folks that are just sharing what God's doing in these crazy times in the last six months.
1: What are some of the, can you give us any previews or maybe some past ones that that you've found really compelling?
2: Um, Let me find my previews. Um, Sorry i'll be silent for a sec while i find it <laughs> so all right. a good one i'll have to edit this
1: part yeah i was actually while you're looking i can share i was at passion Talks last year and um had a great time listening to people i mean i love the idea of just kind of giving people a platform for sharing things that they're doing and you know you encounter somebody at work you encounter somebody at the gym people you know but you don't know these all sides of them and so just giving some hey share about one of these things that you're doing that nobody, you know, you might not know automatically. And it's just fascinating to hear those stories. In fact, uh, right after this call, I'm going to go meet somebody for a socially distant coffee uh, who I met at Passion Talks last year. So it's a great opportunity to meet new people and um, just hear about really interesting things.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, you were a speaker last year.
1: That's I was. Example. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was great.
2: You got to share some of the great learning and... Theology that you've been building around technology.
1: Yeah, that's um, cool.
2: And yeah, what we hope is people will be able to connect around these issues and start conversations um, and gather. We're just giving a teaser. These are 10-minute talks. We probably have, yep. they're split up into four or six tracks, um, about two hours each. So two days, you'll probably get 12, 15 talks, just 10 minutes
1: mm-hmm. and some
2: Q&A. And after that, we, we're inviting folks to actually engage with those speakers, engage in some communities that we're going to build around um, these topics and then take it from there.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Did you find any previews to share?
2: Um, I'm going to read to you the title. Yeah. Uh, but I won't say more than that. Okay, How good. How about this? It's perfect. Designing public policy like we design airplanes.
1: Wow, that's good. And,
2: you know, building airplanes is a very careful and methodical process. If the test, 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 You can't, uh, you can't make mistakes because there's a real cost to them. It takes yeah. a long time to get um, all the pieces right in a lot of teams. What if, what does public policy look like, especially around health, especially around um, some of the response to COVID look like if we're that methodical about creating it?
1: That's great. I love that.
2: Um, that's one. high. I, that's one. I'll give you the rest. Uh, once the program officially comes out next week.
1: Sounds good. Sounds good. I love it. Well, um, we'll start to wrap up, but I always end my conversations while asking the same two questions and, uh, was recently suggested that I flip them around so we end on a positive note rather than on a note of fear. So I'll start with the fear question. You know, as you think about technology and think forward from the things you've seen, what what worries you? What concerns do you have? What's kind of the worst-case apocalyptic uh, outcome of where things are headed? The
2: worst case that I can think of. This is me personally, so I'm not speaking yep. for in the context of ministry or any other thing, is that we'll become so interconnected that it's impossible to create those little slices of yourself to engage mm. in a deep topic. And I think it's important because if you associate every part of yourself in everything that you do, how do you learn and grow when it doesn't feel safe to?
1: Yeah, that's interesting.
2: How do you learn about your biases when, it, from a racial justice perspective if you're not allowed to say, well, I'm still just learning? And you have to take everything you've ever done with it. And, you know, nothing is deleted on the internet. Right. Um, how can you, how can you learn a new hobby when, if you try, if you try to even get started in it, imagine buying a guitar and they'll look at your, like, previous musician experience before they could teach you.
1: Right. <laughs>
2: That's terrible. I just wouldn't ever learn these new skills. Yeah. Um, I think it scares me the most to imagine an internet or, a, you know, a a, an online life, which everything is so connected that there's, I don't want to say no privacy. That's not quite what I mean, but in which everything is recorded so methodically that I can't explore, experiment, pretend to be someone else so that I can experience a new part of life.
1: Yeah, that's cool. So I think- I've, I've talked about that before, but that's, that's really interesting. That kind of danger of just no, um, you know, we, we talk at all things, new. at tech about the danger of presenting a portion of yourself because you can you can falsify yourself you can um, but there's a benefits of that as well there's a benefit to showing up in a room where nobody knows you and you can you can kind of explore something without carrying all your baggage with it so that's a really good a really good observation well the corollary question is always what are you most excited about so we'll end on a positive note what as you look forward, what do you think? Oh, this is, you know, I really hope this works out or I'm really excited in this direction. What, what excites you about where technology is going?
2: The biggest barrier to church, the fact that you have to go to church on Sunday and wake up on Sunday morning, which yeah. may not be the biggest barrier, according to some people Right. for years, that was the biggest barrier for me. Yep. It's gone. Every church is a zoom click away. Yeah. A live stream away. And you don't even have to watch it at the time that it, happens you can just watch it later yeah and that excites me because there it just reduces one of the greatest barriers for people to come and follow jesus one of now the, the challenge there maybe i shouldn't end with a challenge but the challenge really is then are the churches that we create online the kinds of places that people that are that want to find jesus want to explore jesus or even are curious about jesus are willing to go to and visit yeah um but if it is people will come
1: no right? the barriers are dropped I like that it's cool well thank you Angelo it's been great to talk a lot of themes we could have explored as well um, Passion Talks is there a URL or something people can go to to find out information?
2: passiontalks2020.wordpress.com great um, and yeah awesome
1: well thanks for being on our podcast it's been great talking with you
2: it's my pleasure thank you so much all right take care
0: Thank you for listening to allthingsnew.tech. We hope you continue the conversation by subscribing to our blog at allthingsnew.tech. We have a variety of authors working together to develop a biblical framework for engaging with technology. Check it out. Join the conversation.